0: It's time for Making It Personal, a personalized SC podcast brought to you by the South Carolina Department of Education's personalized learning team. Let's jump into today's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Making It Personal podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Beach. And today we are joined by a very special guest. We have with us today, Tanner Slagle from Ebonport Elementary School in Rock Hill, South Carolina. So I'm gonna allow Tanner to introduce himself and then we'll jump into the conversation.
1: Hey everyone, hey Carrie, uh, thanks for having me on today. Um, like Carrie said, my name is Tanner Slagle. I am a math instructional coach over at Ebonport in Rock Hill, um, which is outside of Charlotte. For those of you around the state who don't quite know, Um, I have previously taught third grade and fifth grade, and then this is my second year in this new role.
0: Awesome, awesome. I want to start by having you tell us a little bit about your journey as a coach and how you got to this point in your educational journey.
1: Uh, So I originally, I'm very fortunate, um, came to Winthrop up here in Rock Hill for undergrad. Um, I was super fortunate to intern at the school um, that I called home for many, many years. Um, So I taught third grade, at Evanport for two years, and then I looped up to fifth grade with uh, the the group of pandemic babies um, that we had. Uh, So that group of students, I had them an internship, had them my first year, and then got the chance to have them again in fifth grade, uh, just for some continuity's sake and just to uh, continue learning and growing as a teacher. Um, After that, I went to CMS for a year uh, and through their Department of Teacher Leadership uh, up in Charlotte. I continued teaching fifth grade math and science. And then I had the opportunity to come back to Evanport. Uh, we had a math coach position. We were funding with some Title I money and wanted to see um, what that extra support could look like. We had a, a literacy coach. But we had never had a math coach. So we had that position. Um, I applied for it. And here we are back home um, and
0: continuing to learn and grow. So when educators hear the word coach or instructional coach, what do you think they expect or what do you think comes to mind for them when they hear that?
1: Yeah, I think it uh, really depends. So a lot of times, um, you know, what you want to think is when you think coach, you almost take it back to sports when you're little. Uh, someone who's helping you, someone who is coaching you, who's giving you um, that advice. You know, you think about that, that adult figure, and by no means deny that, um, but you know that you have that person who's sort of leading. Um, so in one one sense, you have that whole person who is um, just there for you, who's giving you ideas, who's watching, who's supporting. Um, giving you tips. And then you also have that person, a lot of times in schools, um, coaches get a bad rap. They're the person who is um, admin, but not admin. They um, have all this power, but no power at the same time. Uh, so as teachers, a lot of times we really have to find that nice balance of what is our coach? Where are we as coaches? Um, and where do we fall along that? Are we really that person who teachers can look to for uh, that advice, for that that coaching, that feedback? Um, like, you know, we, we would hope as as a, as a sports coach, um, or we, that person who is just an extension of admin um, who, you know, sometimes you have to be careful around and sometimes you have to be cognizant of, um, what's going on and how much you trust them. Um, so we sort of have to walk that fine line as coaches.
0: Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because I know in my own personal experience, coaching can mean a variety of different things to a variety of, of different people and wherever you are. Um, Whoever is a coach shows up in a different role or a different lens. So I think it's interesting. But going back to what you were saying about how you even came into this role, the idea was how can the practice of the school grow if we tried out having an instructional coach And, and we have an effective coach who is, you know, exemplifying those attributes that you just shared. How much more can a school grow? How much more can students grow in that lane? So I think that's, that's just very interesting to consider. And so my next question for you is, how do you think your role or perspective as a coach has shifted as you've come more into, I guess, this idea of personalizing or student-centered learning? How did your role start and how has it kind of shifted over time?
1: So I think that um, whenever I became a coach last school year, last August, I think a lot of um, the work that I did was really seen as, um, as district coaches. We talk a lot of times about, you know, we're an extension of the central office. You know, so whatever you say, we say it's passed on to your teachers. You're the one that are that are with them every day. Um, You know, our message is the same. So a lot of times, I found myself um, just doing PD or walkthroughs or or conversations in the hallway, Um, and a lot of times it became um, really non-personal, and we're going to talk about that, I know, but um, it was just sort of like everybody got the same thing. It was very much um, whenever we had grade-level meetings and it was a math meeting, every grade-level, all six, seven of us got the same presentation, Um, and I often found myself with my principal at the end of the day saying, you know, I hate Thursday meetings um, because I'm saying the same thing. I'd rather you just give me um, an an hour after school in a faculty meeting and just let me get it done, Um, you know, recognize that you have the conversations and so much power can come out of those. But, you know, as we started the school year, um, I found myself in that boat where it was just the the repetitive nature. and Nobody was getting exactly what they needed. And at the same time, it was what I thought they needed or what the district office thought they needed. Um, So then throughout the school year, as we kept having conversations and meetings and just seeing teachers um, and then reminding myself that, you know, hey, you were in these meetings, you would have been in these meetings, um, that not everyone is on the same page. Not everyone um, needs the same thing at the exact same moment. Um, So we took a more personalized approach really after Christmas. It was sort of a a little little brainchild um, that we had going on. And we kicked off um, in January, in December, getting ready for January. um, That had more of a a personalized approach for just coaching and how um, I was responding to teachers and sort of the work that we did in the second half of the school year.
0: So I definitely want to get into more of what that um, approach looks like. And we definitely will um, end this conversation. But before we get into the details of that, I'll ask, do you think having a flexible approach when it comes to coaching teachers is important? And if so, why is it important to be flexible or not have a one-size-fits-all method when it comes to coaching teachers?
1: Yeah, I know whenever um, I started having this personal, you know, just philosophy shift, um, really, I guess it was in late October, early November when I just started thinking, like, I, this is this is not what I want, this is not effective, this isn't working, um, just, you know, I'm outside looking at my own work, I really started, you know, noticing that constantly we're telling teachers and we're asking them to look at their kids as individuals. So when we go into a classroom, it is not what does Tanner need, what does Carrie need, um, and, and we're not turning that back on teachers as, as learners. So it's sort of hypocritical in a lot of ways to look at, um, you know, the expectations that we set for our teachers and how responsive they're being to how students are doing and how they're they're progressing and, and what they're ready for at, the, at a specific moment. Um, but then as teachers, we're turning right around and we are putting our own agenda on them and we're saying, no, this is the sit and get. I'm the, you know, the one who's delivering content and you're listening to me. And when I say we're ready to move on, we're ready. And then I'm going to pick something else next month. Um, so that was really important and really impactful. Um, just to sort of think about that, and one of the, the articles that we really launched this whole initiative with, um, and just flat out called out the hypocrisy of, of coaching um, and sort of making this shift. And that's something that uh, whenever we started this, that I really mentioned to our teachers a lot. You know, to, to really just work on buy-in and work on that as well. But just getting them going of, you know, I'm asking you to do this for your kids, but I'm also asking me to do it for you.
0: I love that. And that definitely segues into what I want to talk to you about next. We often talk about this phrase of modeling the model, which is just what you said. What are we asking for teachers to do with students as learners that we are not doing with teachers as learners from the professional development lens? So what are some specific strategies that you've used to gain the trust of your teachers give them choice and autonomy within their learning or help them find the right entry points for trying something new. And I know those are three loaded statements. So feel free to fire off uh, wherever you think is best.
1: So one of the things that when we talk about trust, that's in my mind, that has to come first. Um, mm-hmm. So I had the benefit. I know we talked about it a little bit. Um, I've been at Evenport for all of my career except for one year. So I grew up here as an intern, um, taught here for three years left, and I came back. So trust was something um, that I had, had spent time developing those relationships over the years, um, but I had to earn trust as a coach. And whenever I, whenever I interviewed um, for this position, it was not really a, you know, Tanner, are you coming back to Evanport? It was, you know, you're coming back as a coach. So people are going to look at you differently. Um, so a lot of the the work that I did in, in you know August, September, even October was just listening. It was watching. It was uh, positive affirmations. You know, walkthroughs were not... Um, negative at all, unless they truly needed to be, which I really tried to make them uh, positive it was, hey, I love how you're doing this. Can I come back? Can I watch? Um, it was offering to help and to teach. It wasn't, um, you know, directives at all. It was, you let me teach alongside you. Let me learn from you. Um, as someone who taught third and fifth grades only, spent a lot of time in K-12, uh, just really working with those teachers and, you know, refreshing myself, but also letting them know that this is new for me and I'm learning from you. Uh, So when I think about trust, that is something that was super impactful. Also, just letting everyone know that I'm no better than anyone. We're all learning here together. So constantly just modeling, you know, let me reach out to my coach. Let me reach out to Ashley or to Nigel, um, who are my coaches at the district office, and just, you know, hoping to show teachers that just like I can ask for help, you can ask for help as well. So whenever we look at, um, at earning trust, there are a lot of different things that we try to be really intentional with. Um, But just also knowing that everyone needed something different. So just listening to them. And then once trust was on the way, um, it is never earned all the way. It is a process. Really, again, just looking at learners as individuals. So one thing that I first started with was I laid the foundation. So as a new coach, I spent uh, September, October, and November really laying out that that, that message of the district. This is what we're focusing on. Um, These are our big rocks that we're looking at this year. And then we got into November and December, we really had the chance to take it and run with it from there. So, after we had um, laid this foundation for work that, that Rock Hill believed in, that Evanport believed in, um, really giving teachers the autonomy. So, back in uh, November, December and January, giving teachers the chance to like a PD choice board. Um, so, I spent a, a good chunk of time um, developing just little bite sized tasks for them. Uh, so, there were some things that were Able to be done in your classroom right away. There were some um, PD videos or PD articles with reflection questions. Um, There were things that teachers could use while they were lesson planning or things that they could, um, sites they could try with uh, their students or as they were collecting data or whatever it could be. Um, And I really tried to make them bite sized and manageable so it didn't really feel overwhelming. Um, But also, there were 21 of them on the list. And the last one said, hey, if there's something you want to try that's not on the list, let us know. Let's talk about it. Um, So, really giving teachers the autonomy. to to choose themselves. When we talk about trust, one of the big things that I tried is treating teachers as professionals. We say that, but a lot of times we don't necessarily do that. So giving them the opportunity to say, you know, hey, we talked about questioning back in October. That's something I really need to work on. Or We talked about the math workshop format and and, and why we do that and why that's good teaching back in August. Let me work on that. Or we talked about, you know, data informed instruction in um, September. Let's work on that. So really just um, giving teachers that buy-in And just opening it up to let them collaborate and talk um, whenever we came back for grade level meetings. So it was no longer a, hey, this month Tanner thinks we need XYZ. It was, what did you think he needed? And then how do we share um, with one another? So it turned on a grade level with four teachers from, um, excuse me, from just one PD for me, it turned into up to eight opportunities. Um, Every teacher did two every month throughout second semester, um, and they came and it was sort of a debrief conversation. So then the conversation shifted from, listening to me to really just a popcorn opportunity for teachers to say, oh, I did that last month or, oh, you know, I feel good about this area. Um, have you tried this? Uh, so it really just help to develop trust among each other. Um, as we talk about, you know, just building capacity and just really um, gelling as, as teammates. We really tried to, to work on that as well.
0: I think that's an amazing way, not only to give teachers choice, but also help them figure out if they do want to try something new, what's the right entry point for them? Now, I know when Kristen and I visited you back in, I don't know when that was, uh, earlier this year, um, you share with us a a coaching form where had the teachers listed and then also you kind of curated from them what they wanted your feedback on. And I just thought that was an amazing strategy and approach. So would you mind sharing that with us? Yeah,
1: Definitely. So um, with this whole choice board, which is um, you know, sort of just what I tried to, to encompass with the different options and, and things that teachers would come and they'd debrief about. Um, one of the three tasks that teachers had to do in December, getting ready to kick that off, um, was just taking some time to reflect about what they needed as teachers. Um, so we really had the moment to say, you know, what are you ready to receive feedback for? Um, so in the classroom, um, if you're ever on, on Twitter, they have the best little curated selection of everything. Um, it's the hashtag observe me. Um, and then it's really just a way. For uh, teachers to say, you know, this is what I want. When you observe me, I want you to look for um, engagement in small groups. I want you to look for um, the fact that manipulatives are out and in student's hands. I want you to know or to look for student dialogue or student stems or math journals, whatever it may be, whatever you're ready for. Uh, So whenever we have this, teachers have the opportunity to give me those. So rather than me walking into 27 different classrooms and, and finding myself always focusing on questioning or always focusing on engagement or always focusing on, you know, the the lesson itself or whatever it may be, Um, I was able to go in with a specific mindset and an ability to say, you know, Tanner, you asked me for feedback on this. Here's where I think you could grow. Here's where I think you're excelling. Um, So on on my cart, I would have that printed out. um, And then as I would go around, I would check it off. Whenever I went into Carrie's room and I saw she was doing it, I would check it off. Um, if it got to the point where I was in there multiple times and I felt like she had mastered it, I would just cross it out. So it really turned it back on the teachers. Um, a lot of times in coaching, I know personally, if um, it's not something that I agree with or if someone um, says, you know, we can work on this and I sit back and I think I'm good at that or I don't really worry about that or of course you pick that one thing, um, you're not really going to take it to heart. So by giving teachers that opportunity to really just say, you know, I really want you to focus on this and then actually being responsive and following through by focusing on this. Mm-hmm. Um, it really just turned that feedback back on teachers and made it more powerful. And it really just gave them some say in what they were what they were getting and how they were growing.
0: Love that. And once again, I feel like that's also building trust. It's not a, I'm coming into your classroom to say, I gotcha. But it's, I'm coming in as a partner um, in your learning journey to help give you feedback on what you asked for. So right. love that. What advice would you give to other coaches or leaders who are looking into providing a little bit more flexibility and learner centeredness to their approach with educators what advice would you give them in terms of where to start
1: I really think one of the, the most important things is I had to go on this journey myself um you know whenever we were in, in August and September um even October you know I truly believe that me making a uh, slide decks and delivering that same PD to seven grade levels at a time or, or throughout the day, um, I believe that, that was the right way to go. And then I saw and I put myself back in teacher's shoes in the classroom that I was in the year before, and I was able to say, you know, wow, nobody is listening, or maybe this one person is ready, but nobody else does. Um, so the first thing I want you, I would, I would, the first advice I would give um, is really just to encourage everyone to go on this journey, really from a teacher's perspective and as a coach's perspective, Um, So really just put yourself back in that faculty meeting, back in that lesson, um, and really just think, you know, were you always ready for what was going on? Were you always, you know, receptive to what was being delivered? Um, And then further from there, I really think it's important just to listen. Um, If you have have worked on building trust, if you have um, been in your building and teachers see you as that coach, is that one who's able to to help lead you on and, and make things work? Um, they, they're gonna tell you what they need. And that goes from listening. So it was a very formal process um, whenever we were or typing it up and I had it all together on one sheet for the whole building. Um, but really it started as conversations and people knew that I was doing that. So it got to the point with teachers that I had done coaching cycles with, or that I'd worked with for um, a couple of weeks that when I walked in a room just for a walkthrough, they would just be comfortable by saying, you know, watch for this. And it would just be a quick whisper or a quick, you know, yell across the room when I walked in. And that happened by listening to teachers, by letting them know that, hey, I believe in this. This is what I think is best. And then at the same time, just being willing to hear them out and not always push your own agenda for, for what you think.
0: Absolutely. Were there any specific resources that kind of helped you along your journey or your perspective shifts as a coach, whether it be a book or someone else that, you know, you've, you've gleaned information from? What resources were really helpful to you in this journey?
1: Yeah. So um, I think one of the most important things for me, um, when just realizing that we're not at the same at the same place Is the competency training um, that I did with you and Kristen throughout the year, um. Really just reminded myself that learning is a continuum and there is never um, a great space to be. You know, we all want to be a six, but there's the reality of sometimes we're good at being a four or maybe a three is good for you. Um, so just realizing that when you're looking at competencies, they're here for broader stroke things. But it can also be just that that mindset can be applied to just being a teacher in general and attending a PD in general. Um, so that was helpful for me. Uh, one of the other big pers- big people, I'm going to give a shout out to LaPortia Davis. She's been, I don't know, I think she's done a, um, not a podcast, but a, a teacher talk episode. Um, LaPortia Davis was so helpful for me in just seeing this done with her kids. Um, and as fifth graders, if they can do it, then teachers can do it as well. So as we were making this um, this this happen, LaPortia was so helpful um, just to be that, that sounding board for me. Um, just, you know, hey, how do you set this up? Hey, how does it work? Hey, what are you anticipating um, adults would need? Uh, so she was someone um, who I really just spoke to, uh, really just in getting this off the ground and then an admin um, who was receptive, an admin um, who was willing to say, you know, I'm going to cancel grade level meetings for the rest of the school year and here's what we're going to do it instead. Um, so being willing just to, to put yourself out there um, and just have someone who could listen. Those were all um, huge things for me um, that uh, truly not a plug for the person I was learning, um, but it started with the competencies and really just being reminded um, that even as an adult, I fall in a continuum. And, and we all fall at different
0: places. Awesome. Tanner, I have really enjoyed our conversation and I know our listeners have too. If there's anyone listening who wants to get in touch with you to learn more or just follow you um, in your journey in this upcoming school year, what's the best way for them to make contact?
1: Sure. I am um, on Twitter uh, at Slagle at T-A-N-N-E-R-S-L-A-G-L-E uh, you can follow us on there, post snapshots from throughout the school year, but I am on there. And then always, um, you can get in touch, there's email and everything on there as well. But that's, that's sort of your your go-to place.
0: Well, thank you once again, Tanner. We'll be right back to close things out. Thanks again for tuning in to today's episode of Making It Personal. Connect with the Personalized Learning team by visiting our website, personalizedsc.ed.sc.gov. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, share with a friend, and tune in for a new episode every month. We'll catch you next time on Making It Personal. See ya!